Appreciate them. Give them a warm welcome back to Crossroads. Wave your hand. The folks know where you are. God bless you. We so appreciate that. Glad Pastor Mike and Laura are back. We're up in Boston today, uh, this past week, and we appreciate God bringing them back to us safely. Don't forget, this is the last Sunday of the month, so we'll be in person tonight on Sunday night, 6 o'clock, and receiving the Lord's Supper as a church family. So we encourage all of our members that are able to be back here tonight, looking forward to what God has from us, for us from his word, 2 Corinthians, and trust that God will bless. Haggai, if you would, in the word of God, we are trying to bring this study to a close. Consider your ways. Talk to me. Say it with me now. Consider your ways. Say it again. Consider your ways. All right. To think deeply about, to contemplate, especially with regard to taking some action. Consider, consider. So much to think about. He says to them in verse number five, consider your ways of chapter one. Verse number seven of chapter one, consider your ways. And then twice in chapter number two, verse number 18, he says, consider now. And then at the end of the verse, he says, consider it. Let me read you a couple verses that excite me. Look at chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Maybe you don't know what he's talking about. You know what he's saying? All the gold and the silver is mine. Aren't you glad God's got it all? He's not broke. Now look at nine. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place, somebody say this place, will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Use the Bible as you have time and time again. God, help us today. Drive home some thoughts in our hearts that will change the way we live. Help us to be different. Be different. Do differently. Change us. Help us to leave here Unlike how we came, bind the devil, put a hedge of protection about this place. Don't, don't allow him to hinder the work of the Holy Ghost of God. Father, there could be some in the building today, some that are tuning in that are lost on their way to a devil's hell. Help them to realize that this God we serve, this Jesus that died for the whole world says, come just as you are. Now help them to come. Now, bless now these moments around your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. 
that missionary can forget about me not being a Dallas Cowboy fan. I don't know what, what he talking about from Honduras. Bless him, Lord. Pretty good time to be a Cowboys fan. Pretty good, pretty good time in, in life. I've never found a bad time. It's a real good time. It's a real good time. It's just, just. We used to have Sunday night service every Sunday night in, in person. And I know churches that cancel Sunday night service on Super Bowl. I just think that that's just ridiculous to cancel church on Super Bowl. I mean, what, I mean, just, I mean, what kind of foolishness is that? But if the Cowboys go to Super Bowl, <laughs> we're not doing live stream. We're not doing Lord's Supper. We're not doing, we're just doing, as a matter of fact, we're not, we're not going to have evening service. And on Sunday morning, we're going to have wear your jersey Sunday. <laughs> it's the first time for everything. <laughs> Consider your ways, pastor. <laughs> I, I do quite a bit of traveling. I used to fly all the time, 60,000 miles a year, and now I'm doing quite a bit of driving. And, and some of it's by myself. So I do a lot of thinking. I do more thinking, I feel like now in the last three years, everything's happened in my life, what happened with COVID and, and, and even how this body feels every single day. I, I find myself contemplating and no matter what kind of thinking I do, whether I'm thinking about sports or I'm thinking about food, I'm one of these people, if I know where I'm going to be next week, I start Googling restaurants in advance. I want to start planning where I'm going to be, planning where I'm going to eat, and thinking about it. It will be that much more enjoyable when I actually eat it. So sometimes I'm thinking about food. I'm, I'm thinking about the service. I'm thinking about the drive. I'm thinking about traffic. I'm thinking about the weather. I'm thinking about my family. I'm, think, I'm thinking about the, our country. But no matter where the thinking takes me in my life, somehow I keep going back to thinking about what kind of a servant of God am I? I was thinking about the verse in Psalm 116 this week. Psalm 116, 16, David said, Oh, Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant. Thou hast loosed my bonds. He didn't just say it once. He said it again. Truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant. David characterized himself above all of the other titles that were appropriate and true. King and warrior and psalmist and leader and father and, and counselor and hero and mentor. David said, When I label me, here's how I label me. This is what I call David. I I am God's servant. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to be something until you first tell yourself self is what you're supposed to be. And you and I are going to have to spend less time thinking about how special we are, how important we are, how promoted we are, how spectacular. We need to just get back to basics and say, at the end of the day, I am a servant of God. And I was thinking this week, oh God, help me be a better servant. I want to serve Christ. Amen. Do you want to serve Christ? I want to serve my companion. I want to serve my wife. I want to serve my children. I want to serve my congregation. I want to be a servant to other churches. I want to serve all creatures that God has created on planet earth. And ladies and gentlemen, the reason why many Christians aren't better servants is because they simply don't consider their ways. 
And so week after week, we go through this substandard, middle of the road, below average, disgraceful service to a God who's been good to us. And get to the next week and do the same thing. And get to the next week and do the same thing. We just kind of drive through church and check the box and, and punch, punch the little dot on the, on the paper and go, I went to church and I carried my Bible and I, I did the Jesus thing. And we go right back to mediocrity and we go back to lackluster Christianity. We go back to average and we hit and miss and give God what's left and, and little time in the word of God and keep praying, being shallow in our prayer life and, and give and nominal level that doesn't really take us to, to exact something from God that God can do for us and, and we find ourselves year after year after year after year making the same resolutions going to the altar about the same problems confessing the same sins trying to break the same habits being the same kind of Christian rejoicing in our accomplishments of yesteryear talking about what I used to be and, and talking about being a good Christian because of how long I've been saved and we wonder why the world is so messed up we, we curse the darkness and we condemn politics and we, we say how bad the leaders are and we, we, we bemoan all of the sin that's going on in our world and we watch morality seem to become obsolete and we go this crazy world, this wicked world, this lying devil, this, this horrible scene that our kids have to grow up in and we feel we fail to realize that if the world is going to get better, it's not going to happen at Congress and in the White House. It's going to require men, women, boys and girls who've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ and dwelt by the Holy Ghost of God to determine if the world's going to be better, we got to be better. I was, I was looking at this young man here, Dylan, and he's so big. And every time I see him, he's, did I call you a brother? I called you right name, didn't I? I called you a brother. I called you the right name. I called Delmar. D. And I look and say, every time I see you, you're bigger. I mean, you're just growing. What are you eating? I saw a kid while I was preaching this week. I said, what are you eating? He said, chicken nuggets. I said, give me some. <laughs> He's growing bigger every time I see him without even trying. Now, listen to me now. These young people are growing like weeds without even trying. But I'm trying to tell you something. You ain't going to grow spiritually without trying. So ain't nobody going to look at you and say, oh, you're being, you're, you're being a good Christian. How are you doing? I don't know. It just happened. No, 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 no. If you're being a good Christian, it didn't just happen. You made it happen in Jesus' name. And so Haggai is challenging the people of God who were stuck in bondage and could not get out but God. Somebody say amen for the but God moments in your life. God reached down in the Babylonian captivity and delivered them. Listen, I don't have time to talk about all this. You all know the background, but I just need to say it because we got to remind ourselves. How many of you know you wouldn't have been saved were it not for grace? You wouldn't be in heaven, going to heaven were it not for grace. You wouldn't be a child of God were it not. How many of you remember the day God took you from where you couldn't get out on your own? I was talking to a Christian recently. He said, Pastor, I don't understand some of these folks. I mean, Pastor, I know what God brought me from. I know what I used to do. I know what I used to drink. I know what I used to smoke. I know what I used to hang out. God changed my life. I ain't going back to what I used to be. Ladies and gentlemen, every once in a while, you need to remind yourself, God got me out of what I couldn't get out of on my own. Amen. 
And he brought him back to a place that was messed up. The temple was torn down. He said, you're not doing anything. Like You're in a situation that's messed up and you're not doing anything. And how can you be comfortable with that? This is, this, this is the attitude that Haggai is confronting. Not with lost people, not with people who haven't been redeemed, not with people who don't know God, not with people who don't know the truth, not with people who haven't been blessed. He's talking to people who have been delivered, brought back home, and they land in the middle of a scene that is messed up and do nothing about it. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I are people of God that have been delivered and we are now in a scene that is messed up and it should not be okay with a delivered child of God to be doing nothing about a messed up scene. So he said, acknowledge the problem, adjust your priorities, accept God's punishment, or you can activate God's participation. Today, I want to give you a couple thoughts in our fourth point, how to activate God's participation. Now, we're living the Christian life, aren't we? Let me ask you a question again. You can, you can answer yes by saying amen. We're living the Christian life, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Now, here's the question. Are you living it with or without God's participation? What, what Christian are you if God's not signed on to what you're doing? Years ago, I went to preach at a church, and they had me speak there, and a guy came up to me while I was preaching there. I was just thinking about him out of the blue last night. I don't know what made him come to my mind, but he said, I love this song, Bow the Knee, and I want to practice it, and tomorrow night, I'm going to sing it in the service. So I got up there, left my hotel early, got to the church, and, and got a, went to the back room and practiced the song with him, and he had it down as best as he could, and, and, and we were all ready to get there, and so then I went over to the pastor after that and was talking about it and, and about the service, and I was saying, yeah, I got this song ready with what's the name? He's going to sing it in the service. He said, he ain't singing. He's not on the schedule. We already have specials for the service. I, I know you practice, and I know you came together, and I'm sorry he inconvenienced you, but what the pastor was basically saying is, you don't sing in the service just because you like to sing and you put yourself in the, I'm, Here's what I'm saying. It's not official unless the one who has authority authenticates it. And here's the problem with the Christian life. We're going through the motions. We're playing church. We're doing Christianity. We're punching the clock, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, but it's not effective because the one with authority has not authenticated it. So we have people in the prisons preaching every week. We have people visiting every week. We have Sunday school teachers teaching every week. We, we have ushers that are collecting money. We have deacons that are counting money every week. We have singers that are singing every week. Right? We have workers in our child development center. We have nursery workers. We, 
We have folks that are working in other ministries. We pe- Listen, there are people right now, right now while I'm talking, somebody's making sure those words go up on the screen. Somebody's making sure my voice can be heard. Somebody's making sure that what happens in this building is going out live over the internet. Somebody is controlling to make sure that the lights come on. Somebody came up here last night and made sure that the pool is warm for those that we baptize. Some, somebody's making sure that these cameras are facing when we move and that everything takes, listen, we got people, listen, we could not have a church unless we had a bunch of people. I'm not asking you if we have anybody working. I'm asking you, while we're doing what we do, is God signed in on it? Because if not, we're no different than anybody else. So here's what Haggai is saying quickly. If you want to activate God's participation, just throw it up there, if if you would, fellas. In order to activate God's participation, able performance, you got to do what you can do. Go up to the mountain. Go up to the mountain. They came and did the work, verse number 14. Then the adequate power. If you do your performance, God will give the power. The Bible says, listen, in in verses 6 and 7, God said of chapter number 2, I'll shake the heavens. I'll shake the nations. I'll fill this house. Here's what it is. You do your performance, God will send his power. You do your performance, God will send his power. God can't send his power on people that won't do their performance. Ladies and gentlemen, you do your part. God does his part. Verse number eight last week of chapter one. I'll take pleasure in it. Authentic pleasure. I'll be pleased. Do you want to please God? Say amen. You please God by doing his work. And then last week we saw verse number 13. He said, I'm with you, chapter 1. In chapter 2, verse number 4, he said, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, for I am with you, saith the Lord. Can I ask you a question this morning? Does it mean something for you to have God with you? Somebody say amen. I mean with you. Last week we talked about being present and we talked about being a participant. He said, I'm with you. I'm with you. He said, you get to build that house. You you chop down wood. You decide that this temple that's broken down will get rebuilt again. God said, I'll get in and I'll build with you. Ladies and gentlemen, little is much when God is in it. And there's nothing like being involved in something that God's presence is involved in. And I fear, listen, I fear, please listen. I fear that much of the Christian life is lived outside the active participation and presence of Almighty God. We have gotten so good at being Christians, we have learned how to pull it off without him. Now today, this is the thought I want you to ponder. The able performance, the adequate power, the authentic pleasure, the active presence. Now listen to this now. The actual prospect. Look please at chapter number two. Just the thoughts and I'm finished. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory. All right, let's do some Bible history. The Babylonian captivity, this is bondage. This is serving another person in another country because you didn't serve God in your own country. Anybody listening? Don't get mad at God because you get in trouble with somebody else When if you had done right with him, you wouldn't have got in trouble. Can I get a witness? So they went to Babylon because it didn't do right. Anybody know how long the Babylonian captivity was? 
70 years, seven zero, three score and 10. 70 years they were in Babylon. Now listen to me. Remember, there was a temple in Jerusalem that ultimately got destroyed. And when they came back from the 70-year captivity, they were witnessing this destructed temple. So now Haggai is asking the question, any of y'all remember the first temple? Who among you that's still alive saw this temple in her first glory? Now look at the next statement. And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Here's what he's saying. How can you have seen the glory of the temple before and come back to this mess now and be cool with it? Listen to the pastor this morning. I'm talking about a child of God who's sitting in the building this morning. You know what it was to get up in the morning and read your Bible and pray every morning. You know what it was to give 52 weeks out of the year and be faithful to God. You know what it was to have Christian friends and Christian fellowship and to have that sharpening in your Christian life. You know what it was to share your gospel, share the gospel with every person you meet. You know what it was to be faithful to church every time the doors were open. You know what it was to be involved in ministry and excited about the work of God. You know what it was to labor for the thing. You know what it was to taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm asking you Christian, listen, we're not here to lament your failures. People make mistakes. People do things they shouldn't do. People have moments of indiscretion. If you've never made a mistake, you made a mistake when you said you never made a mistake because the mistake you made when you said you never made a mistake is the mistake of lying. Listen to me now. Everybody has made a mistake. All the mistake makers say amen. But how many of you glad that we serve the God of second chances? How many of you glad he's a God that's plenteous in mercy and ready to forgive? How many of you glad that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Now, I'm looking at a group of people today that have some haters in your life that remind you of your mistakes. They never let you get them out of your mind. They always bring them up to you. And there's some people that can't look at you without remembering your worst mistake in life. By the way, don't ever characterize someone by the worst thing they've ever done in one moment. Otherwise, we're all wicked. Aren't you glad that there's forgiveness with Almighty God, that he can take away our mess and make something out of it? But here's what Haggai is saying. How can you have seen the goodness of God, walk away from it, and now come back, see it not there, and do listen to me. If you failed, if you messed up, if you made a mistake, if you quit reading your Bible, if you quit praying, if you quit church, if you quit giving, if you quit doing the things of God. Own the mistake, but understand something. It makes no sense to come back to a mess and do nothing about it. You say, but I'm a mess. But ladies and gentlemen, God is not a mess. And as long as God is alive, things don't have to stay the way they are. Hmm. Now look at verse number nine. Remember, the silver's mine, the gold is mine, right? Verse 8, he says, I'm looking at it. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. Now, listen, here's what God says. I was reading in Chronicles, Second Chronicles today, the building of the temple and Solomon's instructions. I was reading this morning that Solomon sent to King Hiram and said, 
send me some people that can cut down wood and cut down timbers because I want to make this temple, temple great. I was reading this morning that the temple was built by Solomon after his father David didn't build it. David wanted to build it, and God didn't let David build it. So instead of David building it, Solomon built it. And while I'm thinking about it, it ain't the message. I'm glad that David wasn't so insecure. I'm glad that David wasn't threatened by the accomplishments of his son. I'm glad that David wasn't a hater as a daddy that said, if I can't do it, you can't do it. Listen, we need some humble people in 2023 that says, there have been some things in my life I wanted to do that I couldn't do, but I ain't going to hate on you because you do it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to help you do it because it's about the glory of God and not about who gets the glory. And if I can't do it, you do it because after all, if somebody does it and God gets the glory, it's a win for everybody. I'm reading Solomon building the temple and thinking about the specifications of the temple. I tried to do calculations of of the money that was spent to build the temple. It's beyond fathomable to try to calculate the illustrious cost and value of this temple that got destroyed. But look what God says to Haggai. I'm going to get more glory out of the latter one than I did the former one. And I want to speak a word of encouragement to somebody. Because some of you in the building are living lives that have experienced destruction. There have been some rubbish and some rubble in your life. And frankly, most of your time as a child of God is spent complaining about the rubbish. Could I tell you something about God? Somebody hear me this morning, if you don't get nothing out this service, if them, if them songs don't go with you, if them jokes don't go with you, if, if nothing on them screens go with you, take this home with you. Our God is a God of restoration. And he is as, as bad as your mess looks right now. God is so good that he can take what was once good about you, let it be destroyed because of your own failure, but if you'll decide to get right after you got wrong, God can take what was good before, bad now, and make it better now than it ever was before. That's a prospect. And it's actual. And I don't have time or liberty. But I could, with very little effort, take just three, four, 33, or 57 examples in this crowd and show you some men and women whose lives, as bad as they have been, are better now than ever before. Now somebody's got to hold on to that prospect. That's the problem with us as Christians, as humans, as Americans, as finite, faithless individuals. We don't want to make no moves until we see proof 
huh? We want to see proof. And if we can't actually see what it's going to be, we're not willing to invest in it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not faith. Faith, faith doesn't say seeing is believing. Faith says believing is seeing. I don't believe it because I see it. I see it because I believe it. And by the way, while I'm at it, you should take God's word because he said so. But God's so good that not only should he believe, be believed because he said so, you got enough about God, not just based on what he said, but you got enough about God based on what he did. Listen to me now. He has been so good. He's been so faithful. He's been so kind. He's been so great. Listen to me. This is not a church full of angels. If it is, it's a bunch of fallen ones. Listen to me now. We got some demons in the house. Come on now. I mean, I mean, some folk, you know, you used to be working for the devil and you wasn't a backup. You weren't an alternate. You weren't a third string. You was a first round draft pick for the devil. He drafted you in the midst of your sin. You had a resume longer than an NFL football field. He employed you in his kingdom and you made him some good time money. You put in full time hours, worked full time and overtime, double time. You not only were a good employee, you were drafting others. You worked for the devil. You smoked good, drank good, partied good, lived like the fool, and the devil was your master, and you made the devil look good until one day Jesus found you in your muck and mire, saved your soul, and redeemed you, and made you whole. He put you in a new family, gave you a new home, started building one in heaven, gave you the Holy Ghost, let you understand the Bible. And then his providence, he didn't have to. He brought you to a good local New Testament, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, sound church where you can get fellowship believers and truth from the Word of God preached every day. And he's given you something, and you get to serve God every single day. Now, I'm just trying to ask you, why were you working as a first-round draft pick for the devil, and now you're working as a part-time barely? show up for Jesus and excusing it because after all you know God don't got much to work with you know I I'm just glad I'm in church because if, if you had seen me 20 years ago, you'd just be glad. I, you don't get cookies just for coming. <laughs> Except on Father's Day. <laughs> Even then you got to be a man and half of you women end up taking cookies too. I want you to believe it today. That God is so good that he can actually make the greatest days of your life ahead of you. What a prospect. I'm so sick and tired of Christian people that are always talking about what they did back in the day. 
We, when I used, we, used to, we used to knock on doors for four hours. What happened? Ain't no more doors. <laughs> I remember when we used to be out there. I'm telling you, you, you young people don't know nothing about serving God. When we used to be in the bus ministry, we spent five hours on Saturday visiting those kids and trying to get them to go. To, can I ask you a question? When in your life did they get rid of Saturdays? We have allowed the foolishness of the world to eliminate our faith in our prospects with God. And Haggai says, look here. Any of y'all? Could I ask a question? Anybody in here at Crossroads Baptist Church, were any of y'all around here? When we moved from that old building down to this building, anybody still around here? It was, it was here when that happened. Yeah, yeah. Any of y'all were around here when, when, when we got approved by the BZA to build this building? Anybody remember when they shot down things we were trying to do? Remember anybody, was anybody around here when, they, when we tried to build that daycare building? And, and, and God, anybody remember how good? Anybody remember back in 1990? Then in 1992, my mama got cancer, and God cured her and healed her of that. I'm, I'm just, any of y'all remember the former house? Look, look, look. I'm just trying to say your knees might hurt. Your memory might be bad. Your back might be all broke up. I'm saying stay plugged in around here at Crossroads Baptist Church because the glory of the latter is going to be better than the former. And it had nothing to do with the greatness of the pastor. It has everything to do with the greatness of the master. And if the prospect with God is that great, come on, folks, let's get busy. Let's get busy by God's grace. Our Father, help us, help us, please. We so need you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Pastor, I'm going to heaven. I have Bible reasons to prove it. I'm going to heaven. And I'm going to heaven because I've gotten saved the Bible way. Would you raise your hand? I've gotten saved the Bible way. God bless you. We'd like all of our folks that are candidates for baptism to excuse yourself now. And and our deacons will help you get where you need to get. Pastor, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. But I need to do some thinking. I, I need to do, I got to believe enough in God to know that the prospects with him are better than it's ever been. God spoke to me today, Pastor. I want to believe it. I want to believe it. I want to claim it. And I don't want my performance to be the hold up when it comes to the work of God. Would you raise your hand all over the building? Yes, 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 yes. We got some work to do. Now make your seat an altar right there, right there. Come. And I don't want you to get, get accustomed to it because we're not, we're not abandoning come forward invitations. There's a lot going on right now with these sickness and viruses. You, you pray right where you are and talk to the Lord.
I don't want my greatest days to be behind me. God, help me. Help me. And if you, you might make some decisions. You might have to make some radical ones. You might have to go back to where you were. Go back to doing what you, you might have to admit, God, I made some blunders and I need to fix them so that the glory of the latter can be more than the former. Last question. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm positive I don't want to go to hell. Pray for me. If that's you, would you let me pray for you? Would you? Anybody like that? I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you, Carl. I'm not, I'm, we're not about that. I just want to pray. Thank you, young lady. Thank you for being honest. Someone else. Pastor, just raise your hand. Look at me. If you raise your hand and look at me, I'll just, I'll know you put it up and you'll know I saw it. I see your hand. Thank you. I appreciate you. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Would you slip your hand up? Anyone like that? Yes, God bless you. And both of you, God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Now listen to me. Let, me. let me talk to each one of you that put your hand up just a moment. Christian, you keep your head down and pray. Let me talk to each one of you. Jesus loves you. Now he wants to save you. Now here's what I'm asking you. Would you be willing, that we, heads by and eyes closed, we're not trying to embarrass people. We're trying to keep you out of hell, and that's not a joke. Would you be willing to let somebody in this church take a Bible, not an opinion, a Bible, and show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven? Would you be willing to do that? And here's what I want you to do. If you'd be willing to do that, I'm going to ask you to slip out in just a moment, to the foyer, as to not embarrass yourself, and let us get one of our workers to go out and help you. That's what I'm at. I'm talking about heaven and hell. I'm not talking about commanders and cowboys. I'm talking about heaven and hell. So I'm going to count to three. Christians are praying all over the building. And if you put your hand up, say, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. I'm begging you, and I don't beg a lot, but this warrants begging. I'm begging you to let one of our workers help you. Christian, would you pray that they'd respond? We, we, we're concerned about your soul. We'd like to help you. God, would you move in the hearts of people unsure of salvation? Please, God, in Jesus' name. All heads bowed, eyes closed. All right. One, two, three. Would you? Would you? How about it, young lady and a couple other young ladies? Would you stand up and let one of our workers help you? If you've got somebody sitting beside you, why don't you ask them to go with you? We're talking about heaven and hell. And let's let our workers avail ourselves to them. And ask them, would you let me pray with you? Would you let me talk to you? Because we love you.
God wants to save you. And we want him to save you. Because we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Can we take a Bible and show you? Now I want the church to know that three people have already gone out or headed out to the back to find out about Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. The best for your life can be ahead of you. with Christ's help. Now, if you're in the building and you're interested in church membership and we can help you, We'd be glad to talk with you about it. And if you're interested in joining Crossroads Baptist Church and you need to talk to someone, I want to encourage you to step out right to the back and one of our deacons, one of our leaders will be glad to talk with you about joining the church. We'd be glad to help you. If that's you, just, just quietly slip to the back and let somebody talk to you. Because we love you. And God loves you more. Now, Lord, honor your word for those hanging between heaven and hell. Might today be the day they accept Christ. For all these things we ask and pray for your blessing in Jesus' name.